This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. said, he who believes in me. He did not say, whoever believes hard enough will get their miracle. I've heard of something people say is faith, but really it's faith in faith. My faith in my faith. So if I believe hard enough, my faith will muster this. But that's not what it's talking about. This is talking about faith in him. I believe in you. You know right, you know wrong, you know what you're doing, you know your purposes, and so I want to know what they are. I want you to give me my part, and then I want to be a part of those, Lord, so use me to accomplish those. Jesus called people to believe in him, not because of the miracles he could do, or the idea of faith. No one's able to do anything of his own power or belief in order to come to a relationship with Christ. All God said to do was believe in him, to follow him faithfully and unabashedly. Today in the message, Pastor Troy encourages you to keep your eyes focused on the Lord. He's all-knowing. He knows right from wrong, and that's why it's important to keep our lives in line with the Father. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John, chapter 14, with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. We slow down, our role changes, we have to mature into the place where we're passing on, but we can't get out of the way. It's not the place of getting out of the way. God forbid we should let him run amok without the experience, without the governor of our experience upon them so they don't make a lot of the same mistakes because if we're not governing them, they will make the same mistakes, maybe worse. So we are always necessary. We never age out. We never retire from service in the Lord. That would be called death. And then we get to enter that retirement package. But until then, we're growing, we're, you know, running around, getting stuff done, and we've got people telling us what to do. We hate it, but thank God for them. We need them. And then we grow, and we're like hitting our stride. Man, the Lord's using me. It's going. But then you give someone younger than you something, it's like, whoa, they got it done 10 times faster. What happened? And you realize you're transitioning, and you're going, okay, take more. Let me help you. Let me give you things, and let me give you my wisdom. No, 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 no. And we're guiding. But we can't keep holding on to things. Talking to those who are aging. We've got to let them grow up. We've got to let them experience and mature. And younger guys, younger ones, don't be hard on those of us who are aging. We're getting slower. We know it. But we're slower to keep you from getting in so much trouble. So go at our pace. Slow down. And let God unleash you in his timing. But we all work together for the glory of God. Because God has a purpose. He's got works for us, for all of us to walk in. And it has to do with the work of the gospel. Everything we do is for the sake of the gospel. So here's what kind of happens. A couple of stages. First, we're saved. When we're saved, 
Well, things start to change. Your eyes are opened. You gain an understanding. You go, I didn't know that. I never, I never heard that. Oh, well, that's new. And we start to grow. We read the scriptures. Some of it uh, pierces. Like, oh, man, I don't like that. Uh, that goes against kind of what I always thought. And then we grow and we overcome and we're challenged and we go to church and we grow in the word. But after a while, it's not enough. We go, I, I, I want to be involved. I want to, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? Because I hear it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I hear that we're to be doers and not hearers only of the word. And so we enter the next phase, and that is from salvation to service. Every growing Christian goes from salvation experience, growing in knowledge, to service. Serving the Lord in some capacity. And this is a very interesting phase because you're more interested in purpose. The purpose. What's my purpose? What do you want me to do? Lord, what have you given me? Because they talk about spiritual gifts. And you go, I have spiritual gifts. What do I need to do? What are my gifts? How do I find out what my gifts are? You're excited about it. And you want to delve in and figure this thing out. You want to do and serve the Lord. You also hear about the calling. Listen, Lord, is that you? Is that you? Pastor said this. Heard this on the radio. Heard this. And we just want to find the calling of the Lord. It's easier than that. You don't got to worry about hearing things out there. Your calling is today. Today. It's not for something future. You'll get there. But if you stack up enough obedient todays, you'll be available for, ready for, and you'll be walking right in what he has for you in the future. But if you're not available and obedient today, you're not going to get there. You can't just keep listening for the future. This is an ongoing work that God is doing. This purpose is starts today. And so you go, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Save the world? Go to Africa? What do you want to do? Some, great, some big thing. You know what? I'd, I'd like you not to have an attitude with your boss today. Lord, I think Satan's interrupting. He brought up my boss. No, no, that's, that's the Lord. Why don't you serve me in that? See, those are the little things that make up the bigger things, that make up the big thing that God is doing. So we want to grow from salvation to service. We grow from a child of God who was only thinking about ourselves at one time, defending ourselves, protecting ourselves, guarding ourselves, to not worrying about ourselves because he's my provider, he's my defense, to going, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? And we learn to follow him. As a believer, we have the privilege of purpose. And if that wasn't enough, for some, that's enough. I have purpose. There's more. Look at verse 12, continuing on. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Greater works. Now, now we're going to talk about the privilege of proportion. We have the privilege of proportion. Proportion of or scope of work. What does Jesus mean by greater works than these? Greater works than these? I mean, greater works than Jesus did? I mean, when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus raised the dead. He walked on water. I tried that one as a kid, you know. I knew that Jesus, as I'm growing, I'm like in the bathtub. I didn't try it in deep water. Just like, how do you, you know, oh, it's just not working. Anyone walked on water? We're not there. We're 0 for 2 on this one. Raising the dead, walking on water, multiplied food. Sometimes I wonder how things have lasted so long, but I can't say that I've just kept 
you know, pouring out potatoes, and wow, they just keep pouring out. But Jesus was able to do those kind of things. He calmed storms. I even tried that as a kid. I said, I wanted to go out and play. It looks like it's going to rain. And I look up, Lord, beat up Satan. He's getting in the way. And, you know, that was the whole childish perspective. But what does Jesus mean when he says greater works than these? Well, here are a few interpretations of what Jesus is saying here. The first interpretation is that Jesus is speaking to the apostles specifically about the miracles, the greatness of the miracles that they would perform. I mean, Peter, if you look at the book of Acts, Peter raised a young woman from the dead. So, yes, the apostles did some great miracles. He raised, her name was Tabitha. Anyone done that? No? Okay, me neither. It's not a pass or fail. It's just truth. But here's why it can't mean that this was for the apostles only and for their time only and their miracles. Because Jesus says it this way, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. That means not just you 12, but he who believes extends beyond the 12. That means all who believe. Also, we read in the scriptures that there were others besides those disciples who did miracles. So it cannot be speaking to the disciples who were there only about miracles that they would do. Besides that, none of the works that the disciples or apostles did could really be considered greater works than Jesus anyway. I mean, they did some of the same things, but none greater. So, that's the first idea. The second interpretation, it's kind of on the opposite extreme, really, is that Jesus is speaking to all believers about miracles that they would and could perform if they just had enough faith. They focus on that word, believe. If he believes, he had to believe. Those who hold to this interpretation focus and emphasize on the word believing enough. You got to believe enough. You didn't have enough faith. And so this has spawned what we would call today now as the extreme version of the, um, the health and wealth gospel is the positive confession theology. The positive confession theology says that we can do great works, we're children of God, so we got to be very careful. We're little buckets of power. And if you don't control it properly, you could misuse it. One of the great works of God was that he spoke things into existence, and so we can actually speak things, if we're not careful, into existence, but usually negative things. And so if you say something like, I'm sick, you just confessed it. You just opened the door. It's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and you said it with confidence, full faith. So now you're done. So they'll tell you, don't say that. Don't say that. Say, I think. I think my poor, pathetic, fleshly brain is thinking it's getting sick, but I claim health. So, so they get off thinking that it's about how hard you believe. If you believed enough, you'll get it. If you don't believe enough, well, you didn't get it because you didn't believe enough. That's the name it, claim it, health and wealth, the positive confession theology. Um, three Christians were on a trip together. Al, in the back seat, was one of the positive confession persuasion. And so he asked one of the guys up front, John, hey, John, how's your uncle been? How's he doing? I haven't seen him in a while. He's a great guy. Well, John replied, well, my uncle's pretty sick. 
To which Al replied, do not say that. You just said that with full confidence, full faith, man. You're going to make him sick. He said, you never do that. And so he went on for a long time about how he, the power of his words and why he shouldn't say that. He said, instead, you say my uncle thinks he's sick. You don't put him under that bondage. Well, he moved on to Sam, the other guy. Sam, how about your dad? I haven't seen him either. He's a great guy. What's he up to? How's he doing? Well, not wanting to start another long speech on believing and the positive confession, he goes, well, he thinks he's dead. <laughs> no, he's dead. <laughs> you don't name and claim that. You see, we live in a world where there are things that we're going to experience. It's a fallen world. We make bad decisions. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second half of today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. If you're enjoying the teachings of Pastor Troy Neely and would like more information about this program, we invite you to visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages from the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the books of the Bible. We'd also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, as you'll be able to gain access to the latest teachings as soon as they're posted. That website, again, is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We're blessed to be a part of your life through the teachings of this program, and we pray you're blessed as you continue to tune in. Now, back to Pastor Troy with more of today's message. You can't name and claim your way out of consequences of bad decisions. In fact, even when you don't make a bad decision, you make a good decision. You get in a car, you just went often because we see it so often, and you drive home and someone who didn't make the same decision gets in their vehicle drunk and they drive, and we have heard of believers, Christians, getting killed. They were doing everything right. And so we live in a fallen world. You can't name and claim your way through this world. There's no such theology that God provides for that. In fact, we need to experience the pains and pangs of this world because it's part of the shaping process for us. We will be so ready for heaven and perfection, there will never be another fall. Once we experience all of this and what sin really does, and then when the judgment of God is poured out in the end and we're all like, whoa. After all of that, the question's been asked, well, couldn't there be another fall? No, there won't be. Because we didn't have this understanding in the garden. We'd never seen sin play out. We'd never felt separation. We don't know what it's like. You know what it's like when you have kids, they don't get it. That's hot. What's hot? I don't care. Three-letter word? Woo! That hurt. Yeah, that's hot. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, I don't want to do that again. You were right. Well, after all of this unfolds and plays out and we're all spending our eternity in heaven, there will never be another fall. Never. Things are going to be perfect. We'll have learned our lessons and we will be transformed. It's going to be an eternity the way God intended for it to be. Now, here's a major reason. I don't think that it can mean that everyone who has faith to believe can get their miracle. And that is this. Jesus said, he who believes in me. He did not say, whoever believes hard enough will get their miracle. I've heard of something people say is faith, but really it's faith in faith. My faith in my faith. So if I believe hard enough, my faith will muster this. 
But that's not what it's talking about. This is talking about faith in him. I believe in you. You know right, you know wrong. You know what you're doing. You know your purposes. And so I want to know what they are. I want you to give me my part. And then I want to be a part of those, Lord. So use me to accomplish those. And I will believe in you. And anything that gets in the way of that, I'm going to pray through and I'm going to pray for, and I'm going to pray about, and I want to be on the same page with you, Lord, because there's nothing that can stop me if I am following and serving you in your name. So we have been given the privilege of proportion. Here's how. The disciples are concerned because they have a mission now. They're going to be going and they're going to be doing and they're going to be serving the Lord, but they're going to do it without Jesus who said he's going away. And so they're wondering, you were our source of power. Everything great that happened happened because you were with us. And so are you saying we're going to go into this mission field and not have power? We're not going to be able to do great works? And so Jesus answers the question for them already. He says, guys, it's not all downhill from here. This is just the beginning of greater things. Greater works will you do than these. They're worried about these works that they won't be able to do. He says, no, it's not over. It's going to get better. Now, when Jesus says greater works, he's not speaking of greater in power or magnitude or in intensity. Nothing like that ever happened with the disciples, right? If you look at all their miracles, they did some great ones, raising the dead, all those, but none were greater, equal, but not greater. So what does it mean here you'll do greater works? It's very easy. What he means is greater in extent. They will be more, there will be more fruit, you might say. Think about what Jesus had done when he was on the earth. Jesus did greater miracles than anybody could and more of them. But for all of those miracles and those physical acts of healing, what fruit was there? At the end of his life, how many were on board and loved him? Not many. Most were against him. He didn't see the fruit of salvation on a large scale. Right? Now listen to what happened for Peter on day one at Pentecost. 3,000 were saved and added to the church. Think that's a great work? What's the more important work? Physical acts of healing? Physical acts of walking on water? Physical things? Or a transformed heart? Salvation. Souls, especially a lot of souls. Which is the greater work? But Jesus gave us that answer too because when he was going to heal the, the paralytic, remember the friends brought the paralytic, four friends brought him, and his first thing Hey, your sins are forgiven you. That's important work right there, salvation. But so that you can know I did the greater work, he asks them, which is, which is harder? Which is more difficult to do? Tell someone your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk. Well, the harder thing to do is to say, rise up and walk, because then people can watch and see if it actually happens. I can say, your sins are forgiven you to anybody. I can walk all over it. It doesn't mean their sins are forgiven. I can do it with all the authority I can muster. And I have to prove nothing to anyone. But when I say, rise up and walk, oh boy, that's harder. Because I got got evidence right here. But in doing this, Jesus had said, the greater work was that of salvation. Salvation. 
Jesus never left his Jewish uh, surroundings. He came to the people of Israel. He came to the lost people who were lost in Israel. He didn't go out to Asia Minor, to Rome, to Europe. His scope, his extent was not as far. Did you realize that within the first few months after Jesus left, went up to be with the Father, his resurrection, in just the first few months alone, more people were saved than in Jesus' entire lifetime? Greater works than these, you are going to see lives changed and in big ways. So they were able to do those greater works, but why? Well, because... When he went to be with the Father, he would send a helper, this, this helper. He sent the Holy Spirit. There's a key phrase there which says, because I go to my Father. You're going to do greater works than these because I go to my Father. What happens there is that Jesus sends his Holy Spirit so that now each person can walk with Jesus and his power. Before, you had to be physically with him, walking around so you could see it. But now, Jesus has reproduced himself. The Holy Spirit is in his people, and we can all walk with Jesus. I can go, I'm walking with Jesus, and you at the same time somewhere else, I'm walking with the Lord. And his power is available Greater in extent. Let me be honest with you, though. If you really want to see the greater works being done, which are still taking place around the world today, then you may want to get involved in world missions. We live in a country where we are drenched with the Bible. Drenched with Bible teaching. Drenched. We're going to this Bible study, that Bible study, listening to this. We, we, I used to use this method, but now this. We are so drenched, all we can do is sit around and be soggy sometimes. Listen, on, listen to a Bible study on the way to church. Listen to a Bible study at church. Listen to worship and a Bible study on the way home. We are drenched. But if you were to go to some of these places, Africa and India, where they're starved for truth and for the Word of God, when they travel, they'll travel a couple of miles on foot to get to church. They get to church, and if the pastor stops after an hour and a half, they go, look, I walk two hours, at least match me. Make it worth my time. Teach the Bible. Come on, I am here. Not when you're drenched, though. That's not how it happens. Like, pastor's going long. It's on third point. I got to go to Walmart today. Is there a way? Hey, hey, is there a way? Hey, scoot over towards the end. Scoot over towards the end so we can get out of here. Wait till he pauses. Or as soon as he, you know, like, oh no, we need our escape route now. Wake up. <laughs> but not there. See, and that's why not much can be done here. That's where we're at. That's our desire for the word. Your thirst for it is like, you want more? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I, I was good a long time ago. But you ask someone who has a real thirst, they can't get enough. So we have the privilege of proportion. We are in the family business. We got to get outside of our American mindset and we got to seek the Lord. Maybe we got to get out of America and get involved in global missions. 
to see the things that God is doing all over the world. The greatest work is not the physical healing of the body. It is the life-changing work of salvation in the heart of a person. Thanks for joining us today on Building on the Solid Rock. We hope you've learned some new things today as Pastor Troy taught through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We also have an archive of previous messages available to you free of charge, ready to be listened to online or even downloaded and shared with friends and family. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way, and we'd love to hear how you've been impacted by Building on the Solid Rock. Feel free to send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love being able to connect with our listeners in this way, and your feedback helps us continue to build this ministry. Next time, Pastor Troy will share more from the book of John and express additional examples of how Jesus proved he was unlike any other man that ever lived. Join us then, right here on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come